And now that the local recording has, in fact, begun, I'll go ahead over here and I'll play some intro music because it's like, it's great. The intro music that we have on here, everybody's jealous of it, and understandably so. I mean, I'm not even like, I'm not even like complaining. I'm not, it's, not, it's not even like, I'm not even talking about jealousy in a sinful sense. I'm just saying, you know, it's a completely reasonable thing to be envious of. Surreal Poetiques, Stage 1, Episode 36, Trans-Sharia and Stuff. This is November 27, 2023, being a current year. It's a Monday as usual. We do this every 9.30. We do this every Monday at 9.30. And so if you are listening on some other platform at some other time, invite you to join us for the live program. We do this on uh, Rumble, Odyssey, um, the Get Me Radio app for your smartphone, your Roku, your Fire TV. I mean... It's real easy to get surreal politics. Sometimes, you know, some of the stuff that I do, it can be if it it can be tough to come by. But uh, you know, I know that some of you are listening on iTunes and all those places. So if you're listening offline, I mean, you could join us for the live show and you could call in at 217-688-1433 and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, you know, I was I try to come up with like a cohesive theme for these things for an opening monologue. And I wasn't having a whole lot of luck with that today. There were so many different things that I just thought were pretty amusing. Uh, and so I'll kind of hit those real quick, and then we'll go through them as the show goes on. And, of course, take your calls, as I said, at 217-688-1433. I was very amused to have um, a video come across my radar of a man with a mustache who had made some half-hearted efforts to appear feminine. This man had recently been introduced to the Islamic religious text known as the Quran. And given the transgender war on God and all that is decent, you might expect that this fellow was averse to anything that might suggest human beings were obligated to adhere to any kind of standard of conduct, much less one so strict as Islamists tend to profess. But this was hardly the case. He was thoroughly excited to be studying the text and his celebratory pee-pee dance, which you're going to see real soon, was kind of amusing to me. I've said a few times over the years that you don't actually have to worry about the sexual deviant left taking over the world. If they succeed in destroying Western civilization, they'll swiftly be converted to Islam, if need be, by the sword, and that will pretty much be the end of that. We appear to be well ahead of schedule so far as that goes, but let's not hand it over to the guys with the bombs in their underpants just yet. After all, if Argentinians can elect an anarcho-capitalist, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Javier Belay, I think I'm saying that right, has little tolerance for leftists. I think he said you can't give these these left-hard s words an inch. I think he said after being elected. Not that he was shy about you know talking about how awful they were prior to being elected. 
And while he is pretty uh, unlikely to turn Argentina into Galt's Gulch to see a South American country so thoroughly reject leftism is a surprising bit of fresh air. Because, you know, all their communists came to the United States is pretty much what happened. Given that he's studying to convert to Judaism, I suspect he will be no Pinochet, but lacking the blood, he might just tell the truth from time to time. Derek Chauvin, you might have heard, he got stabbed in prison. He survived, thankfully. Getting stabbed in federal custody, you might have heard, it's no small matter, though, even for the average criminal. Given Chauvin's profile, he certainly should have been in protective custody or administrative segregation. There are questions now swirling as to how prison officials allowed him to come into contact with an armed prisoner. The media, unsurprisingly, blames prison as a general matter for this. To the best of my knowledge, nobody has yet named the perp. Most outlets, to the best of my knowledge, are not even asking that question. The New York Times and MSNBC took the opportunity to continue their abolish the police routine, highlighting other incidents of prison violence, so as to subsume the unique horror of an innocent man being sent to prison for a crime that never occurred and then stabbed by the sort of criminals he had devoted his life to protecting us from. When the perp is named, be on the lookout for his GoFundMe page. Let's see how quickly that convicted criminal becomes a millionaire with the help of big tech. Then, when power changes hands, let's go and have every last donor arrested for hiring assassins to murder police officers. Speaking of the all-but-peaceful transfer of power, the Iowa caucuses are in a mere 49 days, and while Democrats have done everything in their power to make sure there is nothing bearing any resemblance to a primary, the GOP establishment is meanwhile hard at work trying to pretend there is actually a contest underway. Humorously, the 49-day countdown comes across my radar from the Drudge Report, which has largely abandoned all pretenses of being a right-wing publication. The headline today reads, 49 days until first vote, revenge or rejection. As if to confess to a crime, it links to a piece at NPR that is two weeks old in which the state media outlet tries to convince fellow Democrats that a chance exists that Trump will not be president. With their own headline, quote, conservative voters in Iowa are open to moving on from Trump. Well, you know, if they're open to it, they, they're going to have to start really considering that within the next 49 days, I guess. Further down the page, a link was removed halfway through the day that speculated Nikki Haley, of all people. <laughs> this is too funny when I saw this. That Nikki Haley might actually win the primary. I, I saw this and I was like, well, I'm going to have to pull that link up. That's that's absurd. And then I went back to the page and it was gone. Apparently, that was too ridiculous for the editors, even after linking to a two week old NPR piece from a supposedly conservative news site. There was another link that said Mitt Romney would rather have a Democrat in office than Trump. But, you know, that's kind of hardly surprising, given that he seemed to prefer a Democrat in the White House to himself. This has people rightly fed up, not just here, but also in Europe. The Irish have just about had it with foreigners stabbing their kids. They really don't like it when they do that. This, as you may have guessed, is considered racist by some. Conor McGregor is now under investigation by Irish authorities for daring to say he didn't much care for violent crime either. That's hate speech, don't you know? 
And hate speech is a very serious problem, so says ChatGPT, the source of all knowledge and wisdom in our fallen and still declining world. A fellow over at PJ Media tried to give the chatbot a trolley problem, an ethical dilemma in which it might have to kill a billion white people or utter a racial slur. Well, you'll be happy to know that it did not say explicitly that it would kill the billion whites, but it was pretty unambiguous that it would not dare utter such text. As I mentioned before, our boy Handsome Truth is back on the streets. Welcome home, my friend. After spending 25 days in a county jail in Florida, the convicted litterer is back live streaming shocking facts to consenting adults. The trash still flies freely from Florida to Washington State, needless to say, but at least there is one more red whist. Red whist. <laughs> I, I knew I was going to have trouble saying that on the air. Red-wristed thought criminal realizing his country doesn't protect his rights anymore. I'm sure that will do much to calm this rising anti-Semitism that our, you know, totally non-Jewish rulers seem to be so concerned about. All this and more, plus your calls at 217-688-1433. If you would like to be on the program, and the more you talk, the less I have to. We do this every Monday at 9.30 p.m. U.S. Eastern folks looking forward to hearing from you. Let's go check on our chance here. Um, Odyssey firing on all cylinders. There we go. (coughs) That's good to know. Um, uh, ChatGPT that only has data since 2019. What do you say? Oh, I don't get that. Uh, Dave Grady is a real Delawarean. Dave Grady's not from Delaware. Dave Grady is, uh, he's, uh, he's, um, what's the, oh, come on. Poughkeepsie, that's what it is. Dave from Poughkeepsie, Hudson Valley guy. That's his name. 217-688-1433. You like to be on the program, the program, I should say. And the more you talk, the less I have to. So please do give us a call. Why don't I go pull up some of these stories here? Because they were pretty. I got some amusement out of the news there. Oh, you know, no. First thing I got to do. Matter of fact, I know exactly what I got to do first. I got to pull up that video. Uh, and we're going to have a good laugh at the uh, at transgender Sharia. Okay? Because, you know, if you think about it, that, that could go kind of like a few ways, right? Um, the the transgender mafia is sort of like they're, they're behead the infidels types, right? I mean, that's kind of the whole bit with these people, you know. You are going to say the things that we tell you to say or or we will behead you with the other infidels, right? They are waging gender jihad on America and the world. And it's not really so surprising that they find the Quran appealing, I'd say. Except for, you know, the Quran, my understanding of it. Now, I haven't read the thing from cover to cover. But, you know, I, I, I have been I have heard that they're not huge fans. The, the, the Islamists, I heard I hear they're actually not big fans of the homosexuals. That's, I know that's, that's hate speech now because it's like anti-immigrant propaganda or whatever, but it's true. Like, like they throw them off of walls or something. And so, you know, it's kind of funny that they're like, hey, why don't you uh, why don't you read this book? And so here's this guy and he's uh, he's really excited about his future as um, I guess I, like I don't know. What do you be? What's what do you? What happens to you? So like I know you know I mean you know one of the things that's kind of interesting about this actually if you think about it. Excuse me. So <laughs> these um, you know, in Iran they actually have 
transgender surgery paid for by the government. You, I don't know if you guys know about that. And sometimes you hear the transgender people say like, oh, you know, stop, stop threatening Iran, you Republicans, because they take care of the transgender people, don't you know? And what you, what you actually get if you look into this is kind of funny. that it, Well, in Iran, they're like, well, no, there's no homosexuals here. <laughs> there's, there's no homosexuals in our country. If there's any people who, who think that they're homosexuals, we fix that by, by turning them into women, <laughs> which is a great idea. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. I shouldn't say. I'm not sure it's a great idea, actually. But, you know, it's it's as long as transgender surgery is not voluntary. Right. Like if it's a punishment for a crime, like I'm OK with that. Right. If you if you go out and you're like, hey, I got an idea, we should open up the borders. And we're like, oh, OK, we'll 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 give you transgender surgery. And you're like, no, 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 no. I'm not transgender. I just want open borders. So I'm like, no, no, no. We're definitely going to cut. We're, we're definitely going to cut it off, <laughs> you know. Like, that'd be a great idea. I think that we could, I think that we could probably work that out. And that would make us, you know, that would make us very diverse, very importantly. And that is, you know, that's our greatest strength. And so if we run around sexually mutilating open borders advocates, I think that, you know, that would increase our diversity and thus our strength. And so obviously that's what we should do. Um, There might be those who say that that's not such a hot idea. I understand that there might be some diversity of opinion on this. And of course, diversity is our strength. And so speaking of diversity, here's here's a transgender maniac figuring out that he's he's about to start wearing a veil. I, like I think that the, the, he, I get it. So like this guy has a mustache. Right. And he's trying to make people think that I don't know if he's really trying to make people think he's a girl or whatever, but he's trying to you know put on the feminine act. Right. And so maybe maybe the thing is that like the transgender mafia I think that maybe maybe what's going on with them is that they they're looking forward to the prospect of wearing burkas, right? Because like if you want to convince people that you're a woman and you look like that, you know, just put on a burqa and nobody will know the damn difference. And then that's probably that's probably going to be what they do. So excited about it. People thought when I first asked that I just wanted to read it out of curiosity, but I want to read it to study it. I started following somebody on social media that teaches the Quran and hosts a Quran book club for Muslims and non-Muslims. So I'm really excited to start going to that. She was describing the chapter of the bee and that just blew my mind. Like the way that she describes things and the way that the Quran describes things actually makes sense to me. And also, did you know that Allah is beyond gender? Did you know that actually scholars believe that there are two Qurans, the Quran of nature and the Quran, the actual book? And did you know that each chapter is named after a natural phenomenon? I just, I don't know. This whole book is just blowing my mind and I am so excited. I got sticky notes so that I could mark out things that I was, ex- that I was drawn to. And uh, I'm not even through the first chapter and <laughs> I already have a bunch of sticky notes. I'm definitely going to have to buy more tabs. I'm honestly having a whole revolution with myself where the way that I describe the universe and the things that I believe in are actually described in the Quran of believing in Allah. And I, I've never thought that I believed in God before. And now I'm really having a revolution of self of, I think I actually believe in God. If you've been curious, I really recommend it. There are a lot of people who are converting. There's a lot of people who are reading it. I'm not saying I'm going to convert. I'm not saying that I wouldn't. Um, and I don't know. I just, I know that this is exactly what I need right now. I just wanted to say thank you and just point out how excited I am. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you're very excited. Uh, I'm, And I'm sure that you will convert as soon as you get to prison, when you get caught with your child pornography and they send you to prison. 
um, you're definitely going to convert to Islam, right? You're gonna, you'll you'll probably be like, you'll probably be, you know, a prostitute for some period of time, right? And then after that, you'll convert to Islam, and that'll be uh, that'll be the end of it. You know, they'll give you an Islamic name, you know, and you'll be like, oh, I changed my name like three times already. So you know, it's basically the same thing. <laughs> Allah indeed, indeed, indeed. Two one seven six eight eight one four three three. If you'd like to be on the program, and the more you talk, the less I have to. So please do give us a call. I'm going to try to get those drops in more often. I'm working on that. Um, there's other stuff going on here. Um, let's see here. Yeah, get all this stuff out of my way. Yeah, so here, here's the Drudge Report. Let me show you this. This is a, I, like, I can't believe the Drudge Report. I, I'm still getting over this. I understand that other people figured this out before I did. But I'm still having trouble adjusting to the fact that, that the Drudge Report is like a Democrat plot, right? And so here it is, 49 days until first vote, revenge or rejection. And so you're like, oh, this is like there's some news going on about the election at the Drudge Report. And so, oh, they changed it again. That's interesting. <laughs> so this is pretty funny. So when I wrote the when I wrote the show description today, I said that they were linking to a two week old piece at NPR. And that's true. This is the piece. Conservative voters in Iowa are open to moving on from Trump. This is the piece over at NPR that it was linked to earlier today. And then somebody, one of the editors over the Drudge Report, was like, you know, we should probably go and, like, link to another site, you know? And somebody was like, what site would she link? should we link to? And they said, let's go to a week-old piece at The Guardian. <laughs> Openly authoritarian campaign. Trump's threats of revenge fuel alarm. Okay, so who at the Drudge Report thought that this was a great idea? <laughs> I, I, I would love to know what the heck went on there. I mean, people say that Matt Drudge was, you know, kind of like always a leftist. But he did a good job of convincing me for a long time that, you know, this was a conservative information source. And so I'm a little bit confused by this. Donald Trump's talk of punishing his critics and seeking to weaponize the U.S. Justice Department against his political opponents has experts and former DOJ officials warning he poses a direct threat to the rule of law and democracy in the United States. Well, it's a good thing that somebody spoke up about that. We would have never known. <laughs> it's a, you know. We're just going to have to keep Joe Biden in there so that we can protect the rule of law. <laughs> Trump's talk of seeking retribution against his foes, including some he has branded vermin, has coincided with plans that MAGA loyalists at right-wing think tanks are assembling to expand the president's power and curb the DOJ, the FBI, and other federal agencies. Oh, my God. Imagine if Donald Trump became president and they started curbing the power of the FBI. I mean, what would happen to the what would happen to the rule of law then if the FBI was not running around breaking down the doors of political dissidents and dragging them across the country to be prosecuted for nonsense? 
It's a good thing somebody's stepping in to stop Donald Trump from neutering the most powerful law enforcement agency in the world. Otherwise, he might abuse it. <laughs> Trump is currently overwhelm- over currently the overwhelming favorite to win the Republican nomination for 2024 and has maintained hefty polling leads over his party rivals. At the same time, a slew of recent polls has also shown him ahead of President Joe Biden, including in key battleground states. But scholars and ex-justice officials see ev- increasing evidence that if they don't, that if they achieve the power again, Trump and his MAGA allies plan to tighten his control at key agencies and install trusted loyalists in top posts at the DOJ and the FBI, permitting Trump more leeway to exact revenge on foes and shrinking agencies Trump sees as harboring deep state critics. Yeah, because, you know, if he goes in there and he starts firing all those people, I mean, how are they going to subvert his presidency? I mean, we, you know, we barely got through the last one. <laughs> Ominously, Trump has threatened to tap special prosecutor to go tap a special prosecutor to go after Biden and his family, you know, because could you imagine how but how bad it's a, a, a politician would have to be to go after his political opponents? I mean, you know, it's a good thing Joe Biden doesn't do that. All of the prosecutions against Trump are completely independent of Joe Biden. He's sleeping all day, uh, doing what an, a, a man of his age, you know, ought to be doing once he loses his uh, his capacity to, you know, restrain his urge to sniff young girls hair and stuff, you know. And so, you know, you know, Joe Biden, he's not trying to get Trump. It's, you know, it's all these other people are doing it for him. They're not actually doing it for him. They're just upholding the rule of law. You understand. Trump's angry mindset was revealed on Veterans Day when he denigrated foes as vermin who needed to be rooted out, echoing fascist rhetoric from Italy and Germany in the 1930s. Oh, my God. He's a Nazi, is he? I'm hard-pressed to find any candidates anywhere who are so open that they would use the power of the state to go after critics and enemies, said Stephen Levitsky, a Harvard government professor and co-author of How Democracies Die. That's right. You can't be so open about it, Donald Trump. You have to be a lying, cheating scumbag like the Democrats. This is one of the most openly authoritarian campaigns I've ever seen. You have to go back to far-right authoritarians in the 1930s in Europe or in 1970s Latin America to find this kind of dehumanizing and violent language that Trump is starting to consistently use. I I can't get I I, I haven't actually read this. I was surprised when I saw this because I thought it was I thought I was about to show you them linking to the piece at NPR that I saw earlier, but they pull up something even more corny than that. <laughs> They keep on saying openly, right? Because they actually understand what's going on, you see. It's not that Donald Trump is it's not that Donald Trump is threatening to do something that happens to be unique, right? It's that Donald Trump is unique in his being open that he's willing to do the things that are being done to him. These Democrats are like, well, you know, if Donald Trump would at least lie about going after people within the DOJ, then that would be, you know, we we love lying. I mean, we're all about that. But, you know, you're going to go and say it and then the people are going to vote for you anyway. 
uh-oh, like, what are we going to do then? <laughs> like, if, if, if you say it and then they vote for you, even if you don't do it, like, we're not going to be safe anymore. <laughs> Donald Ayer, the former deputy attorney general who served in the George H.W. Bush administration, said it's appalling that a presidential candidate could suggest using the Department of Justice to go after his political adversaries, to go after the Bidens and his family and to effectively make the Department of Justice an arm of the White House to be used for its political purposes. Yeah, it'd be crazy. Facing 91 criminal charges in four cases, including 17 for his efforts to overturn his loss in 2020. You see how they shift that and they don't even, there's not even like a winky face or nothing. They just go straight to it. (laughs) Facing 91 criminal charges in four cases, including 17 for his efforts to overturn his loss in 2020, Trump has kept a barrage of incendiary attacks on prosecutors, judges, and critics, claiming he is innocent of all charges and the victim of politically driven witch hunts. Okay. <laughs> Trump's revenge game plan has been palpable for months. At a kickoff campaign rally in Texas in March, Trump warned either the deep state destroys America or we destroy the deep state and vowed that for those who have been wronged and betrayed, I am your retribution. I love that line, by the way. You know, I've remarked before, you know, that I thought like the single issue voter was like a silly thing. But, you know, if you're going to be a single-issue voter about something, it might as well be retribution, right? Can we can we all become single-issue single, single issue retribution voters? I think that that would be pretty, that would probably be a pretty good idea, you know? <laughs> We're single-issue retribution voters. We don't actually care about anything to do with politics or the country. The only thing that we're really concerned about is making sure that our enemies suffer, you see. (laughs) Similarly, Trump pledged to a CPAC gathering in March that I am your warrior, I am your justice, and called 2024 the final battle. On Veterans Day, Trump also warned the threat from outside forces is far less sinister, dangerous, and grave than the threat from within. Trump has also told some associates that he wants to launch investigations into a few top former allies turned critics, including ex-Attorney General William Barr, the former Chief of Staff John Kelly, and the ex-Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff General Mark Milley, according to the Washington Post. Well, the Washington Post said it (laughs) must be true. U.S. Democratic institutions are hard to kill, noted Levitsky, but Trump... And the people around him are better prepared this time. Trump learned that he needs to purge and pack an administration with his loyalists. Autocrats have to take institutions and pack them. Trump has learned from experience, which makes him more dangerous. This is hilarious. This is from the party of, you know, Supreme Court packing, right? They're like, okay, look. Uh, You know, we tried the whole, we tried the whole doing it the right way thing. What the heck's going on here? Are you Yada, 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 yada. All right. So, is that better now? Thank you very much. <clears throat> These are the people who are, like, openly talking about packing the Supreme Court. No, that's not right. Like, what's what's going on? Come on. All right. That's probably what we need to do, right? If I turn that up over here, yeah. Oh, that's a lot better. That's probably too hot. Yada, yada, yada. All right. As I was saying, 
Oh, my God, autocrats, they pack institutions because that's what criminals do, don't you know? Okay. And so, uh, you know, how many Supreme Court justices do you want, you prick? I guess we'll find out. Other scholars are mounting concerns about a second Trump presidency. Trump is doubling down on the most brutish aspects of his messaging, including by calling his foes and critics vermin. It's a dark message of vengeance and retribution. Timothy Naftali, a senior research scholar at Columbia's School of International Business Affairs, said they're telegraphing future authoritarian presidential regime. Trump is using Proud Boys rhetoric and glorifying the January 6th insurrectionists, and he's promising the pardons for insurrection. This is about giving power to an autocrat and letting his id take over. <laughs> Neftali added, Trump's loyalists are looking for gray areas and weaknesses in the U.S. constitutional system to accumulate power for Trump and for themselves in another term. Unlike those Democrats who are all about the Constitution, don't you know? Trump is counting on having a more robust and experienced inner circle of loyalists, which will lead to more illegal actions and abuses in areas such as these loose talk of weaponizing the justice and and FBI to go after its enemies on the left and the right. To craft a more powerful presidency, MAGA loyalists have at... MAGA loyalists at a number of well-financed conservative think tanks led by the Heritage Foundation and the Center for Renewing America have produced an almost 1,000-page handbook dubbed Project 2025 to help guide a second Trump term or potentially another GOP administration should Trump not get the nomination. <laughs> They're still telling themselves that that's a possibility. How many how many Democrats you think went bankrupt trying to help out Nikki Haley? Oh, I like what you had to say about the whole America needs Israel thing. Here's some money. Key components of the 2020 Project 2025 include slashing funding for the Department of Justice, dismantling the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, and killing the Education and Commerce Departments, moves that MAGA allies champion to shrink the administrative state in the deep state they see as bloated and politicized. Well, ain't that the mark of a tyrant to just go abolish entire government agencies and, you know, not use them? One ominous plan Project 2025 has been weighing would allow Trump to invoke the 1871 Insurrection Act on his first day in office, greenlighting using military forces against political foes and demonstrators protesting a new term for Trump, according to The Washington Post. Jeffrey Clark, the former DOJ official who schemed with Trump about ways to overturn his loss in Georgia and other states who who the Fulton County District Attorney has indicted along with Trump and 17 others, has been leading the work on the Insurrection Act under Project 2025, the Post reported. The Heritage spokesperson told the Post that there were no plans within Project 2025 related to the Insurrection Act of targeting political enemies. No, we're not targeting our political enemies. We're targeting subversives. You see, you're, you could be our political enemy all day. You're just not allowed to be a subversive. What makes a person subversive? Well, being our political enemy, of course. Come on, we're going to figure out how to play the game like Democrats, you see. Still, ex-Trump advisor and media pugilist Steve Bannon, who was convicted of obstructing Congress for flouting a subpoena from the House panel that investigated the January 6th insurrection, which he is appealing, 
has been a Project 2025 cheerleader on his War Room podcast and hosted Clark, who works at the Center for Renewing America a few times and others working on Project 2025. They've been on each other's podcasts. That means they're all co-conspirators. We saw that happen in Virginia. Project 2025 also envisioned schemes for changing federal service rules that would allow Trump to cut tens of thousands of civil service workers and replace them with ones deemed loyal to Trump's agenda. I got an idea. Excuse me. These people act like they didn't see the first Trump term, right? Oh, you mean all these civil service workers who were posting on Facebook and Twitter that they were going to subvert the president of the United States from their, you know, from their bureaucratic perch, right? It was all over the place. They're like, oh, you know, we work for the government, but you can't fire us because, you know, our unions have completely gotten their tentacles into everything and there's no stopping us. So we're going to commit crimes. We're going to subvert the president of the United States. We're going to betray, if we have an oath of office, we'll betray that, of course. Goes without saying, clearly. And they're like, well, wait a second. If he fires the civil service, then, you know, how are we going to do that again? And Trump's like, yeah, that's kind of the idea, you see. We're not going to let you keep on doing this. But that's fascism. Yeah, that's kind of the idea. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we do is we we stop the problem, you see. Project 2025 seems to be full of a whole array of ideas that are designed to let Donald Trump function as a dictator by completely eviscerating many of the restraints built into our system. He really wants to destroy any notion of a rule of law in this country, said Ayer. The reports about Donald Trump's Project 2025 suggest that he is now prepared to do a bunch of things totally contrary to the basic values we have always lived by. If Trump were to be elected and implement some of the ideas he's apparently considering, no one in this country would be safe. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I think lots of people in this country would be safe. They just don't happen to like work for The Guardian. (laughs) You know, they just don't happen to be left wing Democrats subversives and civil service, you know, workers who have been trying to destroy the country, right? What's the thing? You know, they say like, oh, you know, first they came for yada yada and then, you know, and then there was, and then everything was solved. So they didn't come after me. (laughs) It's kind of, that's how that poem goes, you know? (laughs) No one would be safe in America. Other DOJ veterans say Trump and his loyalists pose unprecedented dangers. (laughs) So, like, you see what they're doing here? They're like, let me find another way to say this. <laughs> you know, it's pretty funny. I, th- I think it's funny anyway, but we've kind of like, we've gone through enough of it, I suppose. 217-688-1433. You'd like to be on the program and the more you tell the less I have to. So, please do give us a call. See Kyle. He's over on, uh, he's over on, um, he's on Goyam TV. He says, I'm here for the Trans Sharia giveaway. Um, it's not actually a giveaway. I mean, the, 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 the trans people, they'll give it away. I think they don't, they, they don't, I mean, they, sometimes they sell it, but you know, <laughs> uh, let's go look at our super chats here. Um, uh, uh, we got maybe next time he sends three bucks came for the faux sexual. Where's the faux sexual? We did it at the beginning, you know? 
you got to show up on time. You know, this is this is uh, this is surreal politics. This is not fresh and fit. We show up on time. You know, we know what we're doing around here. And so it was a short bit. You know, it's just some guy with a mustache who's, you know, got makeup on. And he's like, oh, I, f- I found out that Allah is beyond gender. So now I'm going to convert to Islam when I go to prison for getting caught with child porn. It's kind of the way it works. Um, Real Tony Soprano asked, what do you think of Postal 2? I missed the stream. So I, I, I streamed this game the other day. Uh, it was gifted to me by Tony on Steam. It's called Postal 2. It took me a little while. Like, I didn't, um, you know, I needed to get a walkthrough for the game to tell me where to go and, and stuff like this. I, I putzed around in the game for a little bit, and I just kept on dying. And so then I was like, oh, well, maybe I should, you know, read the instructions. And then I did that, and then I I went to the, the you know, I went to my job, I cashed my check, and then I killed a bunch of protesters, and then I went to the bank. And when I went to the bank, like, somebody, somebody came into the bank, and they robbed the bank. And so I was like, oh, well, I've got a gun. You know, I'll shoot the bank robber. <clears throat> and the police didn't like that. I guess they were in on it or something. And so they killed me. Um, and then I, and then after that, I went and I got the milk and it, everything is fine. You know, I got it, you know, the wife, you know, she's a pain in the neck. So, you know, I shot the air conditioner or whatever. And so, yeah, so Postal 2 is kind of fun. Like the guy basically, I, I don't, I don't know what the old backstory of it is where he like works at some video game company. And um, he's uh, he's got uh, he's he's shall we say not the most well behaved fellow. I guess the idea is kind of like you know you're going postal right, and so you're supposed to be able to go like rampage. But I basically tried to go rampage from the beginning, and it became very clear to me very early on that well I think I've got to go and like behave responsibly for a little while before I can effectively rampage because I go and I like kick somebody or you can pee on people, you give them the finger. And you can go do those things, and then I, so this is pretty funny. I come out and I'm like just basically hitting buttons, trying to figure out what to do. And I go up as I'm leaving the house, and there's a, there's an NPC, a black he happens to be black, and so I hit a button, and and I see this like yellow stream of liquid come out, and the guy starts vomiting, and I'm like, oh, I could pee on people. And so I peed on the guy, and then I was like, okay, well, you know, and then I kicked him to death, and then I left. And so after I kicked that guy to death while he was puking for my urine, then I went, this is, I shouldn't really do this on Surreal Politics, should I? I'm really sorry, but I got to finish it now. And so then I was like, oh, because you get the mission. It's like, you got to go pick up your check. You got to cash it. You got to buy the milk. And so, you know, after I kicked this guy to death, then I started, I figured I'd go get the milk first because it was right there. Um, And on my way to the store to get the milk, I, I hear a police officer yell at me, pull your pants up. <laughs> And I thought that that was pretty amusing. Um, and then they shot me to death. And I was like, well, what, you know, like what, you know, it's 2023 guys, you know. And so, but you can't, you can't actually get the milk. Yeah. You start with $20 and milk's only five, but you can't actually get it. You got to do the, you got to do the missions in order is what I discovered. And so I putzed around with that for basically an hour. I completed the first three missions and I'm like, okay, I, this is kind of fun. I'll give it another shot. Somebody put me on to what's the game? lock her up the Trump supremacy. Um, and he was like, oh, I have this. Um, uh, I have this. He's like, I have this game. And I was like, oh, well, he's got the like, he said, he said that he could share his Steam games with me in some way. And I'm like, okay. And I was like, well, that one sounds really interesting. I could be, you know, I could play, you know, something pertaining to the Trump presidency on the game computer. Okay, we'll do that. 
<clears throat> I found out that like the game is like four, five bucks. I'm like, oh well, you know, I'll, maybe I'll try it first this way, but I'll just buy the game. Um, a lot of sense asked the question in the chat. He says, "Is Chris going to play the Alex Jones video game?" I actually bought it, um, and I did play it today. It's too bad Ted's not around. It kind of reminds me of Duke Nukem if you've ever played that. It's kind of like just like a shooter, shoot 'em up two D platform game. You 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 know you go back and forth and. You shoot at, uh, you know, waves and waves of enemies. It's kind of, I don't know, it's kind of funny. I, I it's It wasn't worth $18 or seventeen seventy six because that's the answer of 1984, don't you know? And so I did. I, I, I bought the game and I played it a little bit. I'll do it, you know. I was thinking about if I ran out of steam before, you know, before the show's over. There's a distinct possibility if you guys don't call me at 217-688-1433. Um, if I don't get like phone calls, maybe I'll play that for a few minutes before I shut it down tonight. But I, I bought the game and I played it. So the Alex Jones game, I don't know if you guys have seen the commercial for this. Alex Jones put out a video game and I'm mad. Okay. So first of all, it's like, oh, it's available for windows and iOS and yada, yada. I'm like, okay, fine. So like I get to download this game. And so I, I pay the 1776 and I'm like, okay, how do I download the game? And it just opens up my web browser. Oh, so I don't actually get to download the game. I don't get to, like, own the game. You're just charging me $17 to play a game on your website. And that really, that like, that really, really annoyed me, you know. You know, Alex Jones has, like, been sued for, like, literally a billion dollars, right? The future of Alex Jones is anything but certain, you know. So I'm going to rely on you. I pay you $17 and 76 cents. Which, you know, with all this, like, you know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday stuff, you know, you, you, you could get real games for that. And so I pay $17 and 76 cents to play, like, some Duke Nukem wannabe. <clears throat> and I don't even get to download the game. I'm completely dependent upon Alex Jones to keep the thing up so that I can go play it in my web browser when I have an internet connection. Well, you know, that wasn't very, that was, that money was not very well spent, especially when you think about the fact that angry goy too is like completely free and you just download it. You know, it's really, really silly. If you think about it, two one seven six eight eight one four three three. You like to be on the program and I'm more you told less I have to. So please give us a call. Let's go pull something else up here. Oh, so here's... I found this kind of amusing. And I hope you do too. That basically... um, Like, if you think your job sucks, like, imagine being a member of Congress. I mean, sure, you know, if you're a crook, it's it's pretty cool. Like, you can cheat and stuff. You can... You can... You can um, you know, you could do whatever you want if you're a criminal in Congress, but like if you're a good person, you're a Congress. It, it sucks being a good person and being in Congress. Like you make one hundred seventy four thousand dollars a year or whatever, and then all these people are trying to destroy your life because you're decent. And you're like, well, you know, the way the way I got this job was because, you know, I was capable. I could actually do things with my life. And so people are like, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. Many members of Congress head for the exit citing dysfunction. This is over at denews.com. 
11 are running for the Senate, five for state or local office, one for president of the United States. Another is resigning to become a university president. And more and more say they are hanging up their hats in public office altogether. More than three dozen members of Congress have announced that they will not seek re-election next year, some to pursue other offices and many others simply getting out of Washington. Twelve have announced their plans just this month. The wave of lawmakers across chambers and parties announcing that they intend to leave Congress comes at a time of breathtaking dysfunction on Capitol Hill, primarily instigated by House Republicans. Yes, that's right. Dysfunction is created by House Republicans because, you know, the people who are trying to cut your child's penis off, they're the ones who are, you know, they're trying to straighten all this stuff out for you. The House GOP majority spent the past few months deposing its leader, waging a weeks-long internal war to select a new speaker and struggling to keep federal funding flowing. I think they're struggling not to keep the money flowing. That's kind of the, uh, it's kind of the operative point here. Right-wing members have rejected any spending legislation that could become federal law and railed against their new leader for turning to Democrats, as his predecessor did, to avert a government shutdown. The chaos has Republicans increasingly worried that they could lose their slim House majority next year, a concern that typically prompts a rash of retirements from the party in control. But it is not only GOP lawmakers who are opting to leave. Democrats, too, are rushing for the exits with retirements across parties this year outpacing those of the last three election cycles. That actually tells you something. I'd say, you know, like people like, yo, you, we're all going to be swinging from lampposts. You know, we better we better get out of here so that these people with the short attention spans, they don't know what we're doing. And while most of the departures announced so far do not involve competitive seats, given the slim margin of control in both chambers, the handful that provide pickup opportunities for Republicans or Democrats could help determine who controls Congress come 2025. Quote, I like the work, but the politics has just no longer made it worth it. Representative Earl Blumenauer, Democrat of Oregon, said in an interview he announced that his retire. He announced his retirement last month after more than a quarter century in the House. I can think I, I think I can have more impact on a number of things if I, I care about if I'm not going to be bogged down for re-election, Mr. Blumenauer said. As lawmakers consider their futures in Congress, they are weighing the personal sacrifice required to be away from loved ones for much of the year against the potential to legislate and advance their political and policy agendas. In this chaotic and bitter environment, many are deciding the train-off is unappealing. This session said Representative Dan Kildee, Democrat of Michigan, has been the most unsatisfying period of my time in Congress because of the absolute chaos and any lack of serious commitment to effective governance. Mr. Kildee, Mr. Kildee, who has served in Congress for a decade, said he decided not to seek re-election after recovering from a cancerous tumor he had removed earlier this year. It made him reevaluate the time he was willing to spend in Washington away from his family in Michigan. The dysfunction in the House majority only made the calculation easier. That has contributed to this sense of frustration, he said, and this feeling that the sacrifices we've all been making in order to be in Washington to be to be, to be witness to this chaos is pretty difficult to make. 
All right, so whatever. So it's a bunch of congressmen whining. Who cares? Like, you know what? Go quit your job. Just get out of here. I don't value your services that highly, as a matter of fact. So, like, just go. Just go. Just go. Like, we won't miss you, honestly. If you were there to do something worthwhile... If you were there to do something worthwhile, you would look at this along a longer timeline than you are, right? How long was Ron Paul in Congress, you know? Did Ron Paul pass any major legislation during that time? No, not even close. Not even close. But, you know... I think that there's an argument to be made that you don't have Donald Trump without Ron Paul, right? You say, okay, you know, now the people who are going to run for some higher office, yeah, fine, great. Or even some lower office, if you think like, yeah, I'm going to go leave the Congress and it'll be a piece of cake on a city council and then I'll actually get something done. Okay, fine. That makes sense. But if you're like, oh man, you know, you know, this is really unpleasant. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, go. Just get out of here. Nobody's going to miss you. 217-688-1433. like to be on the program. And the more you talk, the less I have to. So please give us a call. Um, some of the, part of the problem today is that there's like headlines that I should probably do on the uncensored production. But I'll give you a, a quick preview of them because it's pretty funny. Um, well, I mean, it's not so funny that the Ju- Europe's Jews are worried. That's not what I actually meant to say. So like, but, you know, it's 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 a thing. And then he, this this I found was pretty funny. Radical queer Female rabbi Jessica Rosenberg, who has goatee, is blasted for her rabid anti-Zionism after befriending squad Democrats, including Ilhan Omar. So when they tell you that diversity is our strength, this is actually what they're talking about. Okay, (laughs) this is this is diversity is our strength when you have a I'm sorry. When you have a radical queer female rabbi, Jessica Rosenberg, who has a goatee. So I don't think that Jessica Rosenberg is female, okay? I'm fairly confident that that's a man, all right? And so Jessica Rosenberg is a guy who's like, you know what? My Judaism is transgender, (laughs) okay? And, uh, you know, I don't know what the Daily Mail thinks. You do it over here, but, you know. I hope they're enjoying themselves. <laughs> but we're really going to have to, we'll just have to revisit that one on Friday. 217-688-1433. like to be on the program in a way you talk less I have to, so please give us a call. Let me check on you. Let's go check on these chats here. And then if you guys are not going to talk to me, then I'm just going to, I'm going to call tonight. I'll, maybe what I'll do is I'll give you a sneak preview of the Alex Jones game and then we'll call tonight. I might, I might come back um, for those of you <clears throat> For those of you who might uh, find it of any interest, maybe I'll come back and do some do some game streaming. But I'm not going to do that like on the podcast because, you know, it's it's a it's a podcast. And if I'm and if I'm running around, you know, peeing on people in Postal Two or, you know, talking smack, to, you know, if I was talking smack to people on Counter Strike, I mean, people might listen to that audio. That might be worth doing. But most games, you know, it's a visual experience. I'm I have to produce an audio production here, so we're probably not going to do that. You know what I'll do real quick before I um before I before I do that. <coughs> I will go over here and as a uh, as just a little bit. 
why don't I just real quick browse my Amazon wish list with you? If you go to the websites right now, you'll see that there's like the link to the gifting thing. And I've, I've talked about this before that I was like, hey, you know, like, why don't I just write 3000 words telling you how to buy me presents? And you guys were like, oh, thank you. I love to buy you presents. And so that's a great idea. Um, if you want to if you want to buy me presents, you can either just send me money and that would be easy or you could do it the hard way. And I'll and I'll read three. I'll give you three thousand. I'll give you a three thousand word essay from which you can do this. Or you can even just like somewhere in between, just go over the Amazon wishlist. Let me show you something right now. The Celsius sparkling grape rush. So you see me drinking these Celsius things all the time. Like right now, I actually have some one of these C4 things. I tried this. They were at Walmart. They, they were on sale the other day. But talking about on sale, price dropped 18%. Price dropped 29%. I usually buy these things at Market Basket in Manchester for $19.99 for a 12-pack. And I go through a lot of these things. They're right now on sale for $14.98. That's why I moved them all the way up to the top of the Amazon wish list, and that's great. <coughs> what else is here? So this little bullet thing, this is not a sex toy. Get your mind out of the gutter. And so that thing up there... Movo FXLR Pro 3.5 millimeter TRS, not to be confused with that podcast outfit. Mini Jack female. Okay. So anyway, so that's the thing. I'm just going to show you this on camera. So that's what this thing is. And if I come back and do some gaming tonight, you might actually see me use this. This is something that converts the XLR connector on my mixer to a 3.5 millimeter connector. Now, that's actually not such a unique function. But what it actually does is it converts the 48-volt phantom power down to like a, a 3 or 5-volt phantom power. And I had never seen this before. <coughs> this was kind of like an interesting discovery for me. A few weeks ago, I had bought like a, a cheap lapel microphone um, or lavalier microphone is the, uh, is the, uh, is the term that you, uh, you do to try to sound sophisticated. Um, I bought this cheap, like, lavalier microphone on eBay, and I had actually used it for one thing where if I connect it to the phone, it works fine. And I tried to connect it to the mixer, and the thing wouldn't turn on. I'm like, well, what the heck is this? And I contacted the company, and they're like, oh, it won't work on your mixer. I'm like, it's a microphone. What are you talking about? Tell me how to make it work on the mixer. And they're like, no, it's not It's not designed for that. I'm like, okay, well, then I'll then, then I'll return it. And so the good thing about buying cheap garbage on eBay is that the sellers are like, oh, <laughs> keep it. I'll just give you your money back. So I still have it. But that's actually not what caused me to buy this thing. So I bought like uh, I bought a gaming headset. I actually bought the HyperX Cloud 3 wired gaming headset. It's a very good gaming headset. And then I tried to connect it to the mixer. And I was like, this would be great for when I play the games. And of course, it didn't work. And I'm like, OK, what's going on here? And so after a bunch of searching, I find out that it has what's known as an electret microphone. So I have, this is a dynamic microphone. This is my Shure SM7B. My Shure SM7B replaced my Audio-Technica AT2020 condenser microphone. And my AT2020 condenser microphone required 48 volts uh, phantom power in order to function. Now, um, the... Sure, SM7B, being a dynamic microphone, actually does not require that. It just requires a lot of gain. And so, can I show this to you on the camera? Is the cable going to be too tight? Yeah, it's going to be too tight. So I have this 
I actually have this like TC Helicon. It's actually a voice changer thing. I don't. I'm not using the voice changer feature, obviously. But I, I could if I wanted to, and then you would hear this. But then we're not. We're not going to get into that tonight. And so, but that has a way that I can like turn the gain way up, and that's what I'm actually using on the on the Shure SM7B. <clears throat> and all of this is to say that there's also something called an Electret microphone, which I wasn't really familiar with. I apparently used them a bunch of times and didn't know it. But an Electret microphone does require power, and your phone will give it power. It gives it like three or five volts or something like that. Your computer will give it power. It's like three or five volts. Uh, but an audio mixer does not. It's like, well, do you want no power? Or do you want forty-eight volts? And the and the little and the little Electret microphone is like, please don't hurt me. Okay, so you got to get this device right here. And these cost fourteen dollars and ninety-five cents. And so I bought one of them, and it works. And so now I can put the gaming microphone. Um, the gaming headset, I could put that into the mixer. I'm going to do that. I did a little testing with it. Um, but I think I also need this thing. This is a Mike Funds M11 microphone preamplifier. Mic preamp, 25 dB, ultra clean gain, noise reduction for dynamic and ribbon mics. Now, this is very similar to something that I had down here. Which is a, uh, uh, a what they call a cloud lifter. But it's basically just, it's a preamp is what the technical term for the thing is. Where's my, uh, where's my cloud lifter? All right, it's somewhere in here. I thought it was going to be right by the microphone, but apparently I've sh I keep shuffling this thing around. And so somewhere in here, there's, uh, there's another preamp called a cloud lifter, but the cloud lift is very expensive. This is $28. It was $32.98. When I added it to the list, the price has dropped 15% since then, and there's a 10% coupon on the thing. So there's great deals great deals to be had. <coughs> uh, Canon EOS Rebel SL3 DSLR camera. It's like $600 for this bundle. Um, you know, if you want to spend $600 on a camera, that would be wonderful. I, I need like, I want, I want to have like a, I want to have like a nice camera. Like I have the, you know, the camera phone thing and that's, it suits its purpose just fine. But this has like, this has the clean HDMI out. So you can like use it as a webcam. You use replaceable lenses and stuff like that. And so, um, the Akai professional APC MK2 USB MIDI control bed. So I have this thing over here. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry about that. So let me, let me do that again. Okay, so that's a little bit better. I turned that thing. <laughs> I had to adjust the volume on something else earlier and yada yada. Three extra shekels. Indeed. Okay, so you get three extra shekels. That That's how you get the uh, the Akai Professional MK2 uh, thing. As a matter of fact, over here, speaking of extra shekels, you can save extra shekels. There's actually a used option for $77.37, $0.38, as opposed to the $89. Oh, the GTX, the RTX 4060 is down to 40499. I was looking at that at 4, uh, 423. There's all this great stuff on my Amazon wish list, is what I mean to say. But, you know, you don't have to be bothered with all this. You could just send me money at uh, surrealpolitics.com slash donate. You could go to uh, uh, givesendgo.com slash SPM. You could throw me super chats on Odyssey. You could throw me super chats on Entropy. There's like all these ways you can give me money. And those are all really great things for you to do. And so when you do those, then, and when you, well, if you pay me the money, then I'll just, I'll pay my bills <clears throat> and that'll be good because then I won't be homeless. And, uh, and that'd be nice because, you know, it's cold out. It's in New Hampshire. It's not a good place to be homeless. Um, I mean, you can be, you know, if you want to like deal with all the, the stuff, 
They'll they'll you know they'll help you be a junkie in the street in New Hampshire. They're they're good about that. I'm just not into it. So I want to pay the bills so you can send me money. Or you could buy me good you could buy me all this stuff on my Amazon wish list, and that'll be a lot of fun. And then we'll be uh and then we'll come back Monday for the Monday show and we'll keep on doing the game streams. And I think uh we're gonna do the game streams. I haven't set a schedule yet, but we're gonna do them on a regular basis. I just gotta I just gotta figure out. You know, like I at first I'm like, oh well, playing video games, like playing video games is like a waste of time, you know. Now I'm like, oh well, maybe I'm like doing it professionally, so it's okay. And so, uh, you know, we'll figure it out the game stream thing, but we're gonna do more of that. You're gonna see it, and that's definitely gonna bring people in. Like, you know, I didn't think that the Postal Two stream was kind of like it was kind of cool to for me to like play the game or whatever. I don't know how good it's gonna be as entertainment wise. I think the Counter Strike thing. It's unfortunate that. It had, like, the audio problem or whatever, but, you know, like, the Counter-Strike thing, I think, has the potential to be very entertaining because you can go and, like, um, you know, you can interact with other people in the game is kind of the idea. Now, I think you can do that with Postal as well. I guess that's really the thing, going, you know, going and going and getting into, like, engaging with other people on the internet through the game, I think, is where the really interesting content will come from in any case. And, while like, running around playing missions... And getting killed by the cops, I might go buy milk because my wife told me to. Does anybody want to watch me do that? I might doubt. But if I can run around in the game and I can beat people up and I can talk smack to them on the internet, like I think that that'll be a lot of fun. We'll have we'll have a lot of fun with that. And so, but I've got the um, maybe I'll show you this real quick before we get out of here. You know, it's not. But I have like I these games that we showed you. These things are. What are you doing? What? Hey. What what was that? Excuse me. Okay. <clears throat> so what I meant to do is this. I'll go over here. And so like I've got the gaming consoles too. So these we were playing the stream the Steam games. S T E A M. Not stream. We're streaming the Steam games is what we've done before. But like I've got the consoles hooked up here. I've got the um, that's the, you see that like watermark there is Elgato. It's the Elgato MK, I'm sorry, the Elgato 4K60 Pro is my capture card. And, uh, any second now. Come on, what are you doing? Excuse me. All right, there we go. Okay, so now we've got the PlayStation up, okay? And so we can do... You know, I got the Grand Theft Auto. I got Mortal Kombat. Just a little... We're not going to do this very long. just showing it to you. What? What are you talking about? There we go.
You entered a block scene? What are you talking about? No, I don't want to get out of here. What are you talking about? Press the triangle button for accessibility options. So anyway, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go crash cars that need for speed all night. I'm just gonna demonstrate in the the technology. I got the uh, the Nintendo Switch here, too. <coughs> yeah. yeah. Should I play my workout game with you? No, we're not gonna do that tonight. So anyway, so, uh, you know, the game streaming thing, I think, is going to be a lot of fun. I'm still kind of, you know, it's there's like marketing decisions to be made about it or whatever. We'll see exactly where it works out. But I think that it's going to be a good time. Let me go see if anybody is on the phones. And if not, then I will uh, I will thank you all for your uh, thank you all for your attention. Let's see here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in to Surreal Politics. Um, I might uh, I might come back with a game stream. So, you know, if you're not, like, uh, following me on the Telegram thing, you should probably do that. I'm on the Gab. I'm on the, I'm on the, uh, I'm on, uh, you know, it, I'm on that stupid Elon Musk thing where he's, you know, he's basically losing. And uh, it's, I'm God of Talk Radio now. And then later on, I'll make another one. We'll just keep on going. You know, we'll be, uh, you know. And then we'll make our own is what we're going to do. Once we once we figure all this stuff out, like once I'm like, you know, once I have all the recognition that I deserve, then, you know, we'll create our own social network. We'll be like, yeah, you know, Trump, shut down the truth social thing. I got to figure it out. Just come hang out with us. OK, we'll get him. We'll, we'll bail him out of the clink or whatever. He'll be all set. And we'll save his country, man, you know. Roberta Kaplan wished me luck with it. You might have heard. So we're going to have a good time. Thank you very much for tuning in to Surreal Politics. I'll see you Wednesday, members. You guys get to join, right? Surrealpolitics.com slash join. <laughs>